It says, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you even ask him. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word today. Thank you for uh, teaching us and giving us this um, opportunity, Lord, to speak to the King of all kings, the creator of the universe. That's such a privilege. Um, we just love you so much. Speak to us directly to our hearts, to our spirits this morning. Your name we pray, amen and amen, your name. All right, you can be seated. So get ready, Rand. We're gonna pop through a bunch of images really quick here, okay? So this might be a silly question, but have you ever spent time with a king or a queen? Anybody? Uh, any, anybody spend any time with royalty? Uh, there, there's the king of pop, Anybody know who that is? Yep. <laughs> There's uh, Queen Bay. There is King James, but we all know who the real king is, right, Deanna? <laughs> yeah, nah, right. <laughs> we all know Michael Jordan's the, the real guy. Um, there's King Babam for the Nintendo people out there. There is Aragorn. Where is he from? Lord of the Rings, yep. There is Mufasa, of course. There is Odin, king of Asgard. And if we're gonna go there, we might as well do T'Challa, the king of Wakanda as well, right? And of course, there is Queen Elizabeth II, right? And so now as we go to Matthew chapter six in the central portion of Jesus' teaching about the kingdom, we're gonna talk about how you and I have this amazing invitation, this amazing privilege, this amazing opportunity to interact, not just with the people of the kingdom, but with the king himself. And, and sadly, I think we sometimes fail to kind of maximize this opportunity that we've been given. And sometimes it's more often than not. And so I've, I've never had the privilege to sit down with a, a king or a president, but uh, you and I have both been invited to sit with the king of all kings. And, and, it, and so the question is, are we taking him up on that offer? Are you? And I know, I know some of us have heard many messages on prayer, or you just think, okay, yeah, prayer, that's you know, something that we're supposed to do. But I feel like so many of us uh, followers of Jesus, including the guy that's standing on the stage, um, we have such a limited perspective of this beautiful invitation that we have. And, and that we're missing out on so much of the beauty of this relationship opportunity that we can have with God. And so let's go right away. We're gonna go to Matthew chapter six, verse one. And this is what it says. It says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your father who is in heaven. So Jesus changes gears from talking about all the, all the kind of what we've been talking about so far in chapter five, um, when he starts his uh, message about how we're treating other people in this kingdom and how we're living our lives in this kingdom. And then he says, beware, be careful 
Guard yourself from practicing righteousness in order to be seen by others. And he's, and he's about to talk to us about three things. He's gonna talk about giving to the needy. He's gonna talk about prayer. And he's gonna talk about fasting. Three things that this would be the conduct that people would do to try and honor God uh, through religious activity is kind of what he's talking about. And he's saying, hey, watch out for the motivation behind your action. That's your first blank. Watch out for the motivation behind your action. Think about as you give to the needy. He didn't say don't give to the needy. Think about as you pray. He didn't say don't pray. Think about as you fast. He didn't say don't fast. He said, let's just make sure that you're doing these things for the right reasons. And when I say prayer and when I say giving and when I say fasting, I would imagine that some of us are like, well, those are just the, those are things that we're supposed to do. Those are, those are the things that we have to do. It's, in our, it's our obligation, you know, it's a duty, it's our responsibility. And we are missing, like Jesus said, the reward of practicing these things. And just like any car, you've got to take it in and get the oil changed and you got to get the brakes checked out, right? And I believe today's message, I hope, is a tune-up. Not for just you, but for me, because it's so easy for us to miss out on this beautiful opportunity of communion with our King. And so he said, beware that you just don't do these things in order to be seen. It's not just rote tradition. It's not just something that you do because you have to do it. If you do, it says there'll be no reward. Verse two, thus when, again, the key word, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you go as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. So he starts with giving to the needy, not, not if or how or how much, and he's saying, he's saying, why? Why are you giving to the needy? Some commentators say that when the big, big gifts came in, when they were given in the church at the time, that they would blow the trumpets. Now, I'm not sure if I can imagine us ever doing that here. Um, but, you know, in a way, in a way, I, I almost can because I've done it. For instance, you know, if, if I do something nice for somebody, um, don't judge me, but, but even if I gave just a little bit, like I did something that was good, I'll just maybe casually try to bring it up in conversation. I'll just, you know, casually try to make you aware that I did something good for somebody else. <laughs> and we might not post something on social media about it, although that's pretty common too. But, you know, I'm gonna at least ask a leading question and so then you'll ask me, oh, you did that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. I was helping some guy out the other day. Um, I just got up right out of my car and changed his tire on the side of the, ro uh, side of the road. No big deal. Um, I saved his life. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm a saint. I love Jesus. I just always love helping people. And Or maybe, you know, how about, you know, going back to, passing the bucket in church, you know, the, 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 which I guess we still do that here for special offerings. Um, have you ever seen, you know, when the, when the buckets are getting passed, somebody's giving a big gift and it's like they make a, a production of it. It's like, they, it's like they slow down the bucket, it's like, pull it out my wallet, oh, <laughs> right? So that people can see me 
put that wad of cash and pull it out of my wallet. And if they're given a check that has a few digits on it, they're gonna make sure that it stays up with the open face so that you can see my name and see how many numbers are on it. Maybe the single guys are trying to get the single girls to notice, well, maybe he'll go out to dinner with me. Um, you know. But if you're not giving, then what do you do? You pass that bucket real fast. And when you and I do things to be seen, this is what Jesus saw and what he's talking about. He, he saw a lot of religious activity and he's speaking to a, a Jewish people that, that had been following God by tradition. They were very active and they were doing, you know, a lot of things for God, but not from the right place. And so as I look at that passage, I've got to remember, I've got to, I've got to do a heart check. I've got to do a heart check for me. I've got to think about why I'm doing what I'm doing. And so I've been a pastor now in one form or another for 21 years. And I, so I spent a lot of time in, in the scripture and, and in this sanctuary and in different groups and gatherings in our office and in our classroom building over there. And, and typically, if, if I'm not on this stage on a Sunday morning, I'm up here somewhere up in the front as we gather to give worship to God and, and um, pray together and hear his word. And I love it. But, but Jesus is saying, don't just do these things but worship me for the right reason. And, and even as one of your pastors, you know, I've got to check my heart. I've got to guard myself from not just coming in and going, you know, been there, done that. I know this song. I'm going to sing it because this is my job. Or, you know, I'm going to lift my hands to God because I want everybody to know that I'm here to set the tone for worship. Uh, and then maybe they'll lift their hands and they'll worship. No way, I, kind of, that gives me a kind of gag reflex. I don't want to come in as a cheerleader. I, God's not pleased that I'm just filling a seat or adding another you know, number for the headcount. God's pleased when my heart is aimed towards him. And so it's up to me to beware and to guard myself. The activity itself is not bad, but we've got to raise our voice and give to the needy and, and we want to speak up and we want to do good and we need to pray, but let's do it for the right reason is what Jesus is saying. There's a reward from our father when he sees us come in with an attitude of worship. And so this makes me think a little bit about um, recess and elementary school. And, and I don't know, like somewhere around third, fourth, fifth grade, the, the, the purpose started shifting, right? Um, and uh, recess kind of started out as a way to get out of the classroom and, and have fun with my friends and play a little kickball or dodgeball. But at a certain age, somewhere along the way, it shifted to, you know, I've got to look good for the ladies. What do they think of my game, right? <laughs> and so like the whole time, I don't care as much about the game. I just cared if I was going to catch the pass and look over and see the cute girl going, oh yeah, the skinny fast guy, what a catch, you know? <laughs> and in my head, probably not in reality, but in my head, she's going to, you know, whispering to her friends, you know, he's so cute. I hope he, I hope he'll write me one of those pieces on the piece of paper that says check yes or check no, right? It's kind of like that. The, the whole thing was about wanting to be seen. And so my whole life, it's a tension that I fought until I began to realize, oh, you know, maybe we're not supposed to totally get rid of it. This desire to be seen for our lives has been put in us by God himself, but it's not a desire to be seen by each other. It's this desire that's only filled when we realize that God sees, God sees us. God sees us, and not only does he see the action, but he sees my heart, and that blesses him. 
And so for, it says in Hebrews 11, without faith is impossible to please him forever would draw near to God, must believe that he exists. And then check this out, verse six, he rewards those who seek him. There is a reward. God sees, but he sees the heart, not just the action. So we need to check ourselves before we, (laughs) he says, don't let your left hand know what the right hand is doing. Don't just give to make yourself feel better. So we give to honor God, not for the recognition, not to blow the trumpets, right? But to honor God and to sow into his kingdom work. And so let's keep going. I wanna talk about prayer. This is gonna be most of our focus today. Verse five, it says, and when, when, and maybe that's enough for some of us right there, you're tuned up and our, our oil changes, your checkup, he's, he's saying that prayer should be a part of our lives. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. And truly I say to you, they have received their reward. So Jesus starts teaching about prayer. Many, uh, you know, in the people of this culture, they were learning their way of prayer from the religious leaders who Jesus referred to as hypocrites, hypocrites. And so the, the original word here is about Greek actors who had to put on a mask to pretend that there was somebody that they weren't. So he said, when you pray, don't learn how to do it from them. <laughs> so maybe think back to how some of us learned how to pray. Maybe, maybe some of you learned how to pray in youth group. You know, you had the prayer request time. This is what it looked like for me. Um, and uh, you would go around the circle and you would take turns praying. But in our youth group, if you didn't feel like praying, see if, if anybody else did this, if you were nervous, you would just squeeze the hand of the person that, that you were, was next to you. Did y'all ever pray that way? And then they would, they would skip you and you didn't have to pray. And so then it just would just go on. It's like, well, at least I'm not trying to be seen, right? And there was the, you know, the students that never wanted to pray. They'd be squeezing your hand so hard. <laughs> and, and they're like, don't make me pray. And then you'd have... How, how, about, how about this? You'd have like three out of the five prayer requests be unspoken. Does anybody remember that culture, right? And so now I get that you can't always share every detail with everybody, but at the same time, what community is for, what the church family is for, is it should create a culture where you can be vulnerable and feel safe, right? But this was some of the prayer culture that we grew up with. And Jesus is saying, hey, you're learning to pray from some of the wrong people. And you don't, wanna, you, want, you don't wanna do it to get attention. You don't wanna never do it and just keep on squeezing people's hands uh, in the circle your whole life. And you don't wanna do it for status. Or you, know, you don't wanna have unending unspoken requests to, to appear one way or another. And, and, and so he's saying these religious people of faith, they're praying, but it's not coming from a place of, of faith. So don't pray that way. And so, Then he says, here's how you should pray. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Now he says, when you pray, 
go into your room. And so some commentators say that the room that he's talking about was the closet. That's where you get the, maybe they get the term prayer closet that we've heard. It was the only kind of real private room in an otherwise one room house in a lot of the, the houses of that culture in that time. So that would be the, the most unglamorous room where the food is stored, like a pantry almost. And it would uh, be the only door that could be locked when you pray. Now, I, I've read it the other way too. Um, you know, it says, don't go to the street corners, go there. Uh, I've heard it the other way too, where another commentator that I respect says, you know, he says, by this point in time, he thinks that the word they're using for room there was referring to a bedroom, that it was a multiple room house uh, at this time in this culture. And so the bedroom, whichever way, the bedroom was a place of intimacy, right? Between the husband and a wife that does not get shared with other people. And so either way, Jesus was saying, go to a secret place, Go to a private place where you can spend some time with just you and God, where you can commune, where you can have time with, where you can pour out your heart and where you can receive from the king. And so this is the invitation of prayer, right? But yet so many of us are like, oh, 7 a.m. Oh, yeah, I gotta get up and wake up and check off prayer because that's what we do, right? No, we're missing the point if that's how it is. Because when we've got that attitude, you, 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 you pray and you go to the secret place. You and I, we need the secret place. It's, it's the, the image of the, the iceberg, right? What's seen above the water is supported by such a greater mass that's below the water. So if you wanna have a productive and long lasting and significant and influential, not, not famous, but significant spiritual life than what's underneath, that people don't see needs to be weightier and bigger than what people do see. So how's your prayer life? Um, where is your secret place? Is there a secret place? Is, is that where my challenge is? Because, you know, if you read about Jesus' life, he often drew away. Even Jesus himself needed moments when it was just him and Father God. But, you know, when I get up, and when I have my time that's set aside, a lot of times I'm, I'm reading the Bible on my phone. That's, that's my preferred um, way, which is, it's legal to do, by the way. Um, I know some of us are old school with flipping pages, and I respect that. But, but what I love about my phone is that I have it with me all the time, and um, I can have any translation that I want anytime and anywhere I want. But when I take my phone, I also put it in the do not disturb uh, mode, right? Because it's so quick. And easy for something to pop up and like, oh, Sally posted, you know, something on the Instagram reel, right? Or maybe for you, you move over to the ESPN app or you start reading the news stories in your news app. And there's so, so many things, whether you use a digital Bible or not, that can quickly steal my attention when God's inviting me to this moment. And so just me and him, we sang that this morning, just you and me here now. It's, it's me giving space for the King of Kings to speak to me and me being still long enough to receive from him. That's something our culture has a hard time doing, isn't it? Being still long enough for me, not only to, to rattle off a list, but for him to speak to me, for me to be quiet. Jesus did. Did you, did you catch that? Jesus did. Jesus did that. <laughs> 
And so let's take a look so we can all see. I want to show it to you in scripture, Mark chapter one, verse 35. And it says, and rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him and they found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. They're like, what are you doing, Jesus? <laughs> you've got to heal a bunch of people, right? You've got, to, you've got to teach a bunch of people. You've got a big life to live and it's, it's time to roll. And he was like, no, I, I've got to have this moment by myself. And this isn't saying, you know, it always has to be in the morning. Um, I know that prayer, you know, for, for those of us, you know, who, who, are, who are intercessors, you know, it's a continuing conversation that we have. But there's something, there is something about having a secret place and going away where you can be still and listen. That's, there's, there's, there's not really a rule that you have to follow but, but this is a practice in your life to have time that's undistracted. Amen. Can I say that again? It's, 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 it's not, there's not really any rules like you have to get up before the, you know, the break of dawn or, or you know, stay up late at night or, or, or anything or even how to do it. You know, but it's just a practice in your life to have time that is undistracted. And even Jesus, he went off to a solitary place where no one could find him. So find that for you. Establish a secret place in your life. And I felt that this year. <laughs> I, many of us probably were looking for solitude <laughs> this year. You know, I felt as a parent of, of seven with five still in the home, you know, like, good night. It can be hard to find uh, moments of just peace and quiet, right? <laughs> that, you know, they... It's like when you have little ones in the house, you know, they, they get up early in the morning and they're looking for you. I mean, Laz walks into our bedroom first thing in the morning. He says, good morning, mama. <laughs> I mean, that's what he does. And, you know, and, and I have to make it a priority. But even, even co-leading the church with the end of this year or, or any year, I mean, ministry doesn't sleep, right? There are needs and there are things going on in people's lives. And there are people who are trying to disciple and gather and stir and move forward with the gospel mission. And, you know, making a place for more people to come. And so there's always a lot to do. And it's not, woe is me. It's just that if I want to make it and if I want to sustain, I have to get moments where even though there's a never-ending to-do list, which I know that I'm talking to a bunch of people living in an American culture and our culture is busy. I've got to find time where it's just me and God. And so where I can receive from him. And so, and, and then in this unsteady world, going back to that iceberg image that we've all seen, if we're uh, above water, things can be chaotic above the water, right? They can be shaky. They can be unsteady. But when we pray, we're tapping in and we're building our lives on the unchanging one. And in, in, in the unsteady world, we're going to a firm foundation and a strong tower when we spend time with him. And so as the waves come, as they come crashing around and we tap into the anchor of our soul, we can say, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. Why aren't we taking Jesus up on this invitation to draw near to him? That's why we pray, just to make it today. That's why we pray. <laughs> we don't have time to break all this down this morning, but Jesus says, this is, he says next, he says, this is how you should pray. So the Lord's Prayer. 
You've, been, you've grown up, many of us, maybe reciting this. So powerful, very, very well known. Jesus is giving you and me a model. And it's, you know, not necessarily a script. There's nothing wrong with reciting it. There is power um, coming together and uh, reciting the Lord's Prayer. There's nothing wrong with it. But this is, this is a model, not necessarily a script. And I want to try to give us a few practical things that we can do from this prayer. And maybe someday, you know, we'll, we'll do a whole series on this. But today I just want to give us, we're going to get a little tune up. All right. So I want to go through the Lord's prayer together. And this is what it says. Pray then like this, our father, that's where it starts. Our father. It's just remembering that prayer is essential to cultivating relationship with our father. It's essential to cultivating relationship with our Father. All relationships, we know this, require cultivating time together. And quality time is what you're looking for. Quantity of time is not, you know, really anybody's love language last time I checked, but the offer is quality, right, from the heart. And it takes cultivation. Relationship takes effort, right? It takes time. Some of you are like, I don't pray because I get distracted in three seconds. And so, uh, you know, this whole thing is pointless. Well, to that, I say, start with three seconds then. And the next time you'll make it to four, right? And keep going, cultivate it. How do you cultivate a relationship with anybody? You, you spend time with them. And so when Deanna and I started dating, we weren't ready to get married. That, that didn't stop my 15-year-old self from telling her that I wanted to, but that's another story. Um, when, when you go out on the, the first date, you've, you've got to figure some things out, right? Just from experience, you know, if, if you tell a girl that you want to marry them too soon, they're going to say, whoa, slow down. Yeah. Because our relationship, even though you can be really into each other, Right? Um, but it takes cultivation. It takes time. It takes some quality time and it still takes cultivation. Our relationship would not be as strong if all we did was just work, come home for a couple hours after work, discipline some kids, and then, you know, go to bed every night. We need time and we try to prioritize it weekly for us to cultivate relationship. And guess what we do when we're out, you know, for instance, on date night, right? We put our phones away, <laughs> And we, we try not to answer them or stick our faces in them when we're at the restaurant, right? We focus, cultivate. And so you want to know God? You want to walk with God? It's simple. It really is. But how, how, how bad do you want it? And if we're honest, if we're honest, let's check our priorities, Right? because you might want that promotion in your job you, or that date with that guy or that time with that substance that's given you that high more than you want a relationship with God, yeah. with the king of the universe. And yet he's calling to us and he's saying, come and hang out with me. Come and sit with me. Come and receive from me. I made you. I know what you need. I know you more than you know you. <laughs> And we've said it this way before. We've said it this way. If you remember last year, we said the invitation's on the table. It's already there. He's already written the invitation. It's, it's there. It's waiting. And it's saying, come and sit. 
come and be with me. But, but yeah, if you look at our lives, so many of us are saying, no oh, thanks God, I'm good. But time is essential to cultivating relationship. And it's a natural activity of building any relationship as it is with God. So number two, let's continue. It says, our father in heaven, Hollywood. What does that even mean, right? Hollywood. It, it means to honor something as holy is what that word means. So it's saying, we're starting this prayer. Start your prayer with a praise and not a list. <laughs> prayer should start with praise before it gets to a, a list of requests. Notice in the Lord's Prayer, the, the first three movements or the elements of prayer, they're all vertical. They're the first three petitions, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. You see that? It's vertical. I'm, I'm coming to prayer and I'm, I'm coming to commune with you and my eyes aren't on stuff or things. I'm trying to lift my gaze to you. You see that? Prayer is praise. And so maybe sometimes you're like, well, I don't have praise in my heart or, my, or in my attitude right now. And honestly, that's legit. <laughs> I get that. You don't need to come and fake it with God. I'm not saying that because he sees you, right? So just come and be honest. But in the moments where I've been most honest with God, even if I'm struggling or wrestling, typically for me, what he leads me to is a song. You know, it'll, it'll be something like, you know, praise, praise. Still got a reason to praise. It'll be something like that that just starts stirring in my heart. And so in, in moments like this, I'll get led to a song. It's just like many of the Psalms that started with anguish or pain or frustration, right? You've read those. If you've been in the Psalms, they end up in a different place because what happens? Our gaze gets lifted. It shifts. And then what happens? It can't help but worship because our focus changes. So come to prayer, not to get what you want, but to get your eyes on what you need. <laughs> and that's Jesus. Hollywood. Hollywood be your name. Does, it, does that make sense? Even if you don't know what to say other than thank you, God, for being God. <laughs> That's okay because God cares more about your heart than even your words. And for some of you putting on, you know, some worship music in your time with God, that will begin to fill your heart. You know, then maybe you start reading the scripture and you read it out as a prayer. God, you created all things and, and by you and for you, all things were created and there is none like you. Romans 11 is a beautiful benediction, right? And you should just start saying scripture and it gets in your mind and it will eventually get in your heart too. So start with praise and start with worship. My father, hallowed be your name. You're set apart is your name. There is none other like you and your name be set apart in my world and in my life. The last vertical petition is your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So that's a bold prayer, isn't it? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your way. How many of us start off with what's in my will and what's in my way, what I need? Let's change that by saying your will. Prayer is number three. It's about aligning our hearts with God's heart. 
That's what it is. It's aligning our hearts. Prayer is about aligning our heart with God's heart. His ways. Scripture says are higher than our ways, right? His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And he sees the beginning from the end. And he knows us inside. He knows us out. And so he knows what we need before we can even ask him. So let's come. Instead of saying, God, here's what I need. Let's pray, God, you're in heaven. We're on earth. I'm going to let my words be few. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm not going to babble like the pagans. So let your heart become the desires of my heart. I'm here to align with you. And let me say this too, when it comes to prayer, the intent isn't to hear from God so that you can share, you know, content on social media, (laughs) because our immediate reaction shouldn't be, oh, God gave me a verse, God gave me a word, so I've got to go immediately and go tell the world. Now, do we do that when we're kind of in a private time with somebody in a relationship, you know, in the secret place, some things just need to stay there, right? So it's just between you and God. And it's just you and me here right now. And so there will be some things that are just meant for you. Probably more of that than anything else if we're doing it right, right? He wants to have time with you. He wants to speak to you. Let's keep on going. It says, give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Prayer is proof of our dependence on God. So if you're wondering whose strength you're depending on, what's the operating flow of your life? If you're truly walking with God, then the gut check, and I'm saying this to myself, I promise you, is we need to evaluate and be aware and think about our prayer life. Because if we're not asking God for help, are we really truly relying on his help? You see that? thinking that we need his help. And he's there not to say, hey, you know, go do it on your own. No, Holy Spirit is present and he is a helper and he wants to strengthen you and he wants to empower you and his grace is sufficient for you. And he just loves when we come to ask him. He loves it. He's he's not mad when we don't get all the words right. He's like, ah, that's my boy, that's my girl. Yeah, she's learning. <laughs> she doesn't get it all. She's, she's not even sure you know, what to ask all the time, but Holy Spirit's in her and interceding on her behalf. And I'm so glad that they've drawn near to me. I'm so glad that they're spending time with me. Jesus talked later in scripture about a guy that kept on going to knock on the door um, late in the night, um, just begging God for help. And, and, and I'm not here to tell you not to do that because God is welcoming um, us to keep asking and, and knocking and, and keep going to him. And he might not always answer the way we think he should, right? Or in our timeline. And that's maybe even a good thing, even if it doesn't make sense to us. And sometimes it's a hard thing. But just trust that he knows what he's doing and that he, he loves you deeply, right? And so I'm, I'm not telling you not to come to God with your request, but so much of prayer, that is, that is what it's become, right? Jesus says, give us this day. So come with your requests, but also come with requests for your friends' lives and for your, your neighbor's lives. Give them 
their daily bread, give them what they need, give them revelation, give them encouragement, right? Give my, my kids friendship in their schools, give them provision as they grow for, uh, into their families and their own families, give them a job. Because here's the thing, typically when I focus, uh, when I found that I'm only praying for myself, uh, then it's too easy for it just to become a big wish list of, of things that I'm trying to, you know, send up to heaven. So, you know, instead I, I pray for Lyle and I, I pray for Nick and I pray for, you know, I pray for you by name, but individually I pray for Royce. I pray for, um, you know, couples. I pray for families. And so, I mean, as, as you meet new people in the church, this is the beauty and the gift that we have in each other. So we know what we're going through, right? And so we can say, we can come and we can say, gimme, 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 gimme. When, but when you're in a connect group or a class or, or gathering outside of this Sunday morning time, right? And you're in a circle and you begin to know each other's lives and you pray for those lives, then you start praying instead of gimme, 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 it's give us. Or Lord, give them. And you start, you start, your prayers start kind of widening. The circle gets wider. And selfishly, I'm going to say, I hope you pray for this church. I hope you do. I mean, if Deanna and, and, and Pastor Deanna and Pastor Lyle and Pastor Linda and, and Ethan and, and Rachel and Donnie are the, and, and the staff are the only ones praying, do you think there's ever going to be a city on the hill uh, in this church that this city needs, right? So give us this day provision, God. You know, more people coming to know you, more people aligned to your heart, you know, uh, more volunteers to step into your story here at Destiny, more provision through giving, Lord, so that we can do all that you have for us to do. So let's pray. We need your help, God, because we're depending on you. And so let's let our prayers be proof that we're depending on God and not, not operating on our own strength. The next part, it says... Forgive us our debts, and we also have forgiven our debtors. Point number five. Prayer has the power to change the relationships that hurt us the most. We talked about this a little bit last week. It's the hassle of loving our enemies, right? Or someone that has wronged us. It can turn into bitterness if we leave it unchecked. It transforms if we leave it unchecked into anger and into rage. And if the wrong person says the wrong thing at the wrong time, you could be just one second from flying off the handle because you've been hurt, because you've been injured, you've been wronged, you've been passed over and you're carrying around bitterness. And so how do we deal with that bitterness? Well, there's different ways, but one of those Jesus talks about right here is through prayer. Because when you go to God and you say, God, forgive us, it says, forgive us our debts, you're getting in touch with the fact that he's forgiven you, right? That you were dead in your transgression and sins. That's the gospel, that you turned your back on God, that you were by nature objects of wrath, but yet the God of the universe who created you, who made you, who formed you, and he loved you. He sent his only son to do for you what you could never do for yourself. And that is recognizing the grace and recognizing the forgiveness that yes, everything we do, at one point is in scripture is called filthy rags. We've sinned, we've fallen short. I never measured out. I keep on turning back, but you keep extending grace. So when we come in, we're like, God, forgive me. I find it helpful just to acknowledge specifically what God already knows about me, that I've fallen short. So here's a few specific things, God. I'm sorry. God's not like, oh my goodness. Thank you for telling me that. But I think he knows that it's helpful for us just 
go back to chapter five, right? It's helpful us, for us to come poor in spirit, right? He knows it's helpful for us to acknowledge our need. And as we receive grace, then we have the power to what? To extend it. Some of the stuff that's holding you back and keeping you in bondage to things of your past is petty. <laughs> it is. But some of it is big. And you're missing out, maybe even though the other person has moved on. And the key to unlocking your freedom is receiving grace and then extending it. And that comes some, many times through prayer. Lastly, this is the last thing it says. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And I just wanna remind you again today as I try to even compel myself and remind myself and remind you towards yes, our corporate gatherings, but also private moments with Jesus. God rewards your prayer. It might not always make sense. It's mysterious. It requires faith. Um, you know, you're not quite sure how he hears sometimes, but he does. And, and he sees and he celebrates and, and he, he rewards it. Do you, do you know what that reward is? It says, deliver us from evil and lead us not to temptation. That word deliver is not just delivered from something, but here's the way I like to see it. It's, it's also delivering to something. So another way you could see it is deliver us from evil and deliver us to yourself. Come on. So what's the reward of prayer? And what's the reward of giving? Yes, and what's the reward of fasting? In heaven, we will be rewarded for our time on earth and treasure in heaven. We'll lay our crowns at the feet, but the reward of prayer here and forever is Jesus. It's the king, the king of kings. It's not the kingdom, it's the king. It's not the gifts, it's the giver of the gifts, right? So when we come to prayer looking for a reward, what's the reward? It's time with the king of all kings. That we would have a conversation with the king. And that, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm not kidding. If, if Deanna and I, you know, plan to go out on a date night, which we, again, we try to do on the regular, it doesn't matter how expensive it is. It doesn't matter what we're doing. I just get a big smile on my face. Why? Because I really want and desire to spend time with her. That's it. And God, when we want to, you know, time with him, he gives of himself and he shows us who he is and he rewards that prayer and he delivers us, not even just to himself, but he also delivers us from the lesser things of life. He delivers us to the, to the greater things in life. The evil one, he wants to kill, steal and destroy, right? But Jesus speaks of an abundant life. The world is trying to tell us that we're missing out. It's, it's like it's trying to save us from the less and deliver us to the more, but it never pans out, right? And so God doesn't want you to live for the wrong things or the temporary things or the, the unsatisfying things or the shaky things. And through prayer, he will deliver you to the very best. John 10, 10. And so as we close, um, I just wanna tell one last story from scripture. Um, earlier this year, 
Um, I felt like God was inviting me and us to a journey this year. And if you guys can go back and remember, he kept on anchoring us back in January and February in Psalm 92, verse 12. Anybody uh, remember it from Circling the Sun? Teach me, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. We're blessed when our strength is found in coming to God. When we number our days and our hearts, not just the words and not just the activity and not just you know, the hands raised and not just the religious going through the motions, but our hearts are set. Set your heart, not on getting the job or getting the girl or getting the guy or whatever, your heart is on a privilege. I, I mean, a pilgrimage. Your heart is on a pilgrimage. <laughs> It's privileged to be on a pilgrimage. <laughs> and so this weekend, God took me to the, these two verses, Psalms 84, verses five and six. I absolutely love this. It says, remember we're, we're on a journey, teaches to number our days. So look at these two verses. Blessed are those whose strength is in you and whose heart are the highways to Zion. Your heart is on a journey. And it says, as they go through the Valley of Baca, they, they make it a place of springs. We're not, we're not sure exactly where the Valley of, uh, maybe it's Baca, um, was. But as people were journeying you know, to Jerusalem, this would be the, 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 the pilgrimage to meet God and, and to offer their sacrifice. And they would go through these valleys where there would be no water and no sustenance. And that word, <laughs> Baca, what it means is weariness. As we travel to places of weariness, sound familiar? Anybody been there this year? An exhausting year. It's, it's not just about your year, it's about you know, ours. You know, we've all gone through it. But look at, the, look at the verse. It says, there's something different about the people whose hearts are set on a pilgrimage because when you travel through that hard place, we make those dry places, place of springs. Now, not us, we don't do it, but where water can be found and where sustenance can be found. They would, and what they would do is they would dig down these holes to find the water. Does that sound like Jesus? You know, hey, I've, I've got to dig past the things of this world and I'm going to go down to the bedrock, right? They would go and dig up these holes and then they would wait for the rain to come. And it wouldn't be just water to satisfy them. It would be for everybody else that comes along too, for everybody. And so you work in a hurting world. You go to school in a hurting world. And we've all been on common ground probably more than ever before. Our country is weary, but it's time for the followers of Jesus and the people of destiny, right? To have our hearts set on a pilgrimage, teach us to number our days, not neglecting meeting with the King of Kings. And not for just what we can get, but because of who he is. And as we do that, yes, we can still be going through, you know, the valley of, we can go through the valley of weariness in a dry land and in hardship. But when our hearts are set, we can find the place of springs that gives life and sustenance and fuel to our souls and to the souls of those that are around us. That's the reward and the promise of prayer. And it's about sitting with 
and communing with the King. What an amazing, amazing, amazing opportunity we have. So Lord, we just close today and say, let us not neglect time with you. God, that we would take the opportunity and find a secret place. Lord, we, where we could commune, where we could cultivate a relationship. The invitation's on the table. You've already invited us in. God, that we wouldn't take that lightly, but we would come at your invitation, come to know you, come to know your heart and that your heart would stir ours for the things of your kingdom. God, do what only you can do. Speak words of life that can just wreck us and change our lives forever. God, I just acknowledge, and I think many of in this room this morning just acknowledge that we need to hear your voice. So help us to be silent. Help us to be still. Help us to stop. Help us to find that closet, that room, that secret place. And Lord, give us the boldness to just knock out some time to listen, to hear your voice, to have you speak into us and Lord, have you give us direction. God, we want to hear from you. Not just as a church, we want, it, we want that too, but individually. God, speak to us. We want to hear you.